Hi, it's Randy with the Holistic Health Hotline. This is a short one today. It's Friday. I'm just um, covering a couple topics that need to be covered. Uh, strokes, number one. Um, I think most people don't see strokes as relevant to them because they believe that strokes only happen in senior citizens. Anybody over 55 these days is a senior citizen. Um, which we could talk about in other ways as far as the amount of respect that we should be giving, et cetera. But strokes act actually happen in children, and they happen in, in children before they're even born. Um, and they can be caused by a host of different things, usually the diet that the mother is on, also the diet that the father was on prior to conception. Um, drug users, and, and that means over-the-counter and illegal and illicit drugs of any kind that are in the system when the baby is conceived go into the baby's system and can cause hemorrhaging, which is what baby or child strokes mostly come from as hemorrhages, whereas in senior citizens the strokes will come from clots where the, where the blood is actually coagulated to the point and there's so much plaque in the arteries, etc., that there's no way for that clot to move and it causes a stroke. In children, though, we have more than I, I, anywhere from three to 4,000 children a year have strokes and most doctors and parents don't realize it, don't look for it, don't treat it, don't do anything about it. <clears throat> Well, first of all, how do you avoid a stroke? You do that with diet and water. Diet, water, and exercise. Diet, water, exercise, and spinal alignment. Always keep those things in mind. Those seven keys in the first book are the most essential keys for keeping you healthy. It's called preventive medicine. Instead of paying so much for health care and, and drugs and running to doctors and doing all these things that most Americans do, try doing preventive medicine and you won't have to do that anymore. You'll never see a doctor the rest of your life. You won't have to because you will basically be in good, balanced health. And when you do go out of balance, you'll be able to get back in balance quite quickly. So you, you start with that. If someone in your family or your circle or where you happen to be standing waiting for a bus has a stroke, this is going to sound very weird and it's going to look weird to all those around you. But take their shoes off and their socks if they have them on or whatever and start working the tops of their toes immediately. That means right underneath the toenail, kind of like a 16th millionth of an inch below the toenail, across the top of the toe, roll your finger, the, the um, top of your index finger, across the tops of all those toes. That is the brain reflex. It goes right to the brain reflex. And then use a thumb walk, a reflexology technique, where you bend your thumb and push at the same time, um, and kind of walk across each toe, up and down and across all of them, because you're affecting everything that's up in the brain area by doing that, including the pituitary. I can't teach you how to do a pituitary reflex via a podcast, but a reflexology technique is to actually find the pituitary reflex on the toes and hook into it and... and um, pulse it a little to get that pituitary, which is the master gland of the whole body, um, back into balance in a way that will help the person to recover. Will they come right out of all the symptoms? No, they won't. But, but in most cases, you'll probably have less damage and faster recovery if you start doing something right away. It's, it's like we learn about um, heart attacks. You know, people learn how to do CPR. Not that they do it correctly or that they do it at all, even though they've learned it. In most cases, they're afraid of doing it, afraid of doing it wrong. But, but we learn those things. We don't learn how to take care of strokes. And strokes in children 
are extremely important, obviously. Um, we're here to protect them and keep them healthy and do the right things for them. If you're um, the kind of person who didn't care about your diet before having children, know that for the rest of their lives they will experience something because of that. And those can be uh, allergies, asthma, um, lymphatic diseases, strokes, heart attacks, arthritis later, back problems, etc. because you didn't think before you conceived. Okay, so you need to learn maybe a little bit about reflexology so that you can you can help your children, your mother, your grandmother, your aunts, your uncles, your sisters, brothers, whatever, uh, if they they do suffer from a stroke. And one of the other reasons that people do suffer strokes is, as I said, their diet. But one of the things that the American <clears throat> Medical Association and the FDA has done to our diets is scared us to death so that we're eating all the wrong things and then used propaganda to get other things into our diet so that they could trade those things and make more money. So, for instance, I grew up on cod liver oil, among other things, but I used to love cod liver oil, and my mother gave it to me every day, or, or somebody did. And, and when they weren't giving it to me enough, I would go steal some. I'd go drink it right out of the bottle. <clears throat> cod liver oil then was good oil, and, and the reason is it's an omega-3 oil. Now, what you'll see on health food stores shelves and, and at Walmart and the vitamin shelves is the omega oils, 3, 6, and 9. Well, 6 and 9 are not good for you. We need a balance, but 6 and 9 are too acidic, and they do the wrong things for the body, which is why we have cholesterol problems and, and uh, or the numbers aren't right anyway, cholesterol-wise, and we have joint problems and heart problems and obesity and everything else because we're taking all the wrong oils from the wrong place. Soybean oil is not good for you. Um, cod liver oil, flaxseed oil, and almond, uh, no, walnut oils are the best oils as far as getting your omega-3s. Without omega-3s, your blood doesn't work right, your brain doesn't work right, your digestive system doesn't work right, your joints don't work right, nothing works right. And if you look around you at all the people around you at work or at play, wherever you are right now, you'll see that most of them are not working right. <laughs> They're either overweight, underweight, um, overtaxed, overwrought, uh, under, under uh, sleep deprived, um, over anxious. Anyway, it's always under or over where they're supposed to be. Your ADHD children, don't, you look at their diets first, um, and you'll find that the oils in their diets are probably missing, or all the wrong oils, like they're getting corn oil, safflower oil, things like that, but they're not getting the good oils. Um, and you look at the kind of food that they're eating, which is the fast food places with the with all the wrong oils in them, um, which not just it doesn't just affect the circulatory system. It goes back to the colon again. You know, when I first moved to Alabama, I didn't want to move here. I I fought it like crazy for weeks, months, months and weeks. And every time I said I wasn't going to go, of course God smacked me and told me I had to go. So I ended up packing up and coming to Alabama and didn't know why. I had to be here. When I first got here, things were very weird, and I think I wrote this in, in one of the books that I've written, but, um, you know, I was going to teach a holistic health course and a writing course and a couple other courses, and it was all set up, and, and um, when I first arrived, I was pretty excited because, okay, I'm in a new place, I'm going to teach them new things, and I sat outside the university where I was going to be teaching, waiting for my new students to show up so I could kind of see them walk in, because I like to get an idea of who's coming for these kinds of things, and nobody was coming in anywhere. 
And I finally went to the dean and said, you know, do I have the wrong day or what's going on? And he looked at me in a very southern accent and said, I'm sorry, we had to cancel your course. And I asked him why, and he said, well, we don't teach religion here. And I looked at him and said, well, you must have the wrong person because I don't teach religion either. And he, he rechecked my name and looked through the, the uh, calendar of, of courses. And he says, it says right here, the introduction to Holy Stick Health. And I said, no, welcome to Alabama. Because they really thought that holistic, H-O-L-I, F-T-I-C, was holistic health and not holistic health, which is looking at the whole body. So it took me a whole semester to reteach the authorities at the university what holistic health was. And I had to put a W in front of it. And then, of course, the course was packed. And we had to expand it to three campuses in day and night and, until people um, decided that they knew it all and didn't have to come anymore. And then we canceled them. That was several years later. But the point of this is, is that when I first came down here, I thought maybe the courses were what my reason was so that people could learn what holistic health was. But what I also found out is that I live across the bay. I'm on the eastern shore side of uh, lower Alabama, which is near um, on the Gulf Coast, uh, near the Gulf of Mexico. And uh, on the other side is Mobile, Alabama, which I don't go to very often. But Mobile County had the highest usage of Ritalin in the entire country for ADHD. The state of Alabama had the highest usage of any state in the country um, with higher dosages. Not because the kids had more ADHD, maybe because their diets were more affected by um, uh, the kind of fish they were eating and uh, things like that, but, but and sweets, a lot of sweets, a lot of sugars, a lot of fast foods, a lot of stuff that people shouldn't be having and kids shouldn't be having, especially. But, but uh, all kids had the same problem, but the thing is, is that Alabama was teaching them differently than they should have been taught. And um, uh, so what happened was that there were more children who were on Ritalin than anywhere else in the country. So I started working with these kids and their families and getting them off of some of the things that they were on, including omega-3 oils, cleaning out their colons, and uh, changing their diets and their attitudes, and then changing the attitudes of the parents so that we weren't using Ritalin anymore. And more than 600 kids stopped being diagnosed as ADHD because of those kinds of changes. So what I'm saying to people here is go back to the basics. Go back to book one and read the basics and then read book two especially because it has a lot of stuff in it about diet and nutrition. But um, if you have kids or, or even for yourself, go to the omega-3 oils and get off the old, the 369s. Stay away from the corn oil, the safflower oil, um, those wrong kinds of oils. And get on the proper nutritionist diet that you need to be on to get well. And then, when, after you have figured out your nutrition, you have to also figure out your mind and your spirit, and especially for ADHD kids. Um, uh, one of the kids I got off Ritalin had been on Ritalin from age 3 to 17, so 14 years on uh, mostly Ritalin for ADHD symptoms. And we weaned him, and he got off, and he was doing wonderful. And his mother showed up at a uh, small celebration with several dozen chocolate 
um, cupcakes. Frosting and all, uh, which I like, but you know I stayed away from. But um, but I I was totally upset at her because what she said was that she wanted to reward him for getting off Ritalin. And I said, you know, the sugars and the chocolate and the gunk that was in his colon was one of the problems in the first place, and you're going to start it all over again. And she just didn't know how not to do that. And so we had to retrain her, and that took that was actually harder than getting the kid off Ritalin. Um, retraining the parent to not look for love from your child by destroying them. And uh, that is a mind-spirit thing. And parents do this all the time. They're afraid the kids aren't going to like them. Well, you know what? I never worried about if my kids liked me or not. I knew that eventually they would. They loved me and they respected me. They not, they didn't always like me for what I said. It wasn't liking me anyway. It was liking me for what I was stopping them from doing. And I wasn't worried about it. But so many parents that, that come to me, uh, with, especially with teenage kids or preteens, are so worried that their kids aren't going to like them unless they buy them everything they want and give them all the food they want and give them a credit card and a cell phone and let them go. And um, I don't know where that came from. Maybe Maybe we all felt abandoned in our generation or something. I'm not sure. And so we are abandoning our children in a different way now to show them that we're not abandoning them, which makes no sense to me. Children need boundaries. They want boundaries. They want limitations. They will test those all the time. And in fact, I had a, um, uh, Lori's birthday was a couple weeks ago, and um, we had some people over, and one woman is now a single parent with a, I think, 14-year-old daughter, and the 14-year-old daughter didn't come to dinner like she was supposed to because she was cranky. And, of course, I looked at the mother and I said, that would not fly with me. You get over your crankiness and you meet your obligations. Well, then the electricity went off on, in about 15 different counties around here for several hours, and the daughter ended up coming over here, and I said directly to her, you know, what's your excuse for not coming to dinner? She goes, oh, my arms were tired. Blah, blah, blah. I looked her straight in the eye, and I said, that will not fly. And as the evening progressed, every time she tried to act out baloney um, and tried to act out against her mother, she got a look from me and probably a statement from me most of the time that was a training thing. It was like, no, you don't do that. This is what people do, and this is how you act. And um, the mother was looking at me kind of funny, and uh, the kid was looking at me very funny, and everybody around the table who knows me wasn't looking at me funny at all. By the end of the evening, for her anyway, for because they went home kind of early, uh, <laughs> which which was okay. But by that time, the, when the time they went home, the the kid said to her mother, "I don't want to get on Raina G's list." And I don't want to disappoint her. And so her behavior had changed completely because there was an, uh, uh, an element of not be good or you're bad. It wasn't a judgmental thing. It was I want to be the best person I can be for maybe the wrong reasons. It wasn't fear that I wasn't going to like her because she, she'll probably not see me again for, for several months, if at all. Um, but... And it wasn't fear of rejection, because I hadn't rejected her. I was giving her as much love as possible, and she felt that. And she knew that all of my statements were coming from an unconditionally loving place, but also a place of authority based on wisdom and experience. 
And when kids see that, know that, feel that, they react differently. If they if they know you're weak, if they know that you're you know you're just as afraid of being abandoned as they are, or you're just as afraid of not being loved as they are, or you're afraid of living like they are, or you're afraid of what's going on in the world as they are, they keep feeling all that and they will reflect it right back. They become your reflecting pool, and and they have as many problems as you do. So they see you taking pills and telling lies and cheating on this and cheating on that and not following through on promises and all those different things, eating junk food, you know, and telling them that they shouldn't. Um, they see you do all those things and they say, yeah, but I want to be just like you. They don't say it out loud and they may not even say it out loud to themselves, but their unconscious and their subconscious minds are trying to reflect who you are because they're your creation. So when it comes to ADHD, the first place to start is with you. What are you doing to encourage and disempower those children so that they eat the wrong foods, don't drink, hang out the wrong kids, think the wrong thoughts, you know, feel the wrong feelings so that their brains are like boing, 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 I don't know what I'm doing and I don't I don't want to focus or I'm over focused. What are you doing to help cause that to happen? When you take care of you, when you start doing the work on you, the work with the kids is easy. We, uh, I was only here, I think it was just under nine months, 600 kids off Ritalin, 600. Okay, now that doesn't mean I spent 24 hours a day with every kid. I wouldn't have time to do that. I had lots of other clients and work to do too, plus, plus a flood that wiped me out from Hurricane Danny. Um, so, yes, it did take some concentrated effort. It did take listening skills to find out where all the problems were within the family structure and the school structure that were encouraging certain habits that, that meant that the body was going to be conditioned to not responding correctly and that the child would therefore and forever be diagnosed as, as having this disorder that never existed in 1950, by the way. This was a brand new disease. Um, <laughs> Uh, I'll tell you, there was a part in book two, I think I write about kids, well, I write about kids a lot in book two, but <clears throat> I think it's the second section um, in there talking about ADHD. It's like, think about what we do with these kids. They're on antibiotics, they're taking vaccines. Those are the first two things that happen to them from, the, from zero to two years old. They're filled with chemicals, filled with things that are already destroying the cellular structure of their bodies. And then they have parents who are both at work, very busy, or one that's home and doesn't like it, or one that's home because they really want to be home and not at work. And all of that gets sent back to this poor little thing who is, is a co-creation of these people. Um, the mother and father didn't worry about what condition they were in prior to conception. Yeah, they might have afterwards when they found out they were pregnant and everybody starts changing the way they do things, but they weren't worried about it to begin with. Um, after, in my years, when I was young, we were um, not lucky, but if we got three to three to five vaccinations, that was pretty, that was a lot. Now, kids are at 25 to 35 vaccinations before they're out of school. Do you know what's in those vaccinations? Do you know what they do to the human brain and the cellular structure of a child's body? And I know, I know, you're not allowed to take the kid to school unless they're vaccinated, except if you have a religious reason 
or a doctor's excuse. Now, a doctor's not going to give you an excuse in most instances, so you, you should really start looking for doctors prior to having a child so that you know the kind of doctor that's going to support you in your efforts. But if you haven't done that and you don't belong to a church that's going to help you, then maybe you better... <coughs> call on a different religion and make up one if you have to that's supported by others that says no nothing foreign will enter my child's body that it's against my religious beliefs for that to happen and then you will beat it you will beat the courts for those vaccinations but anyway so you've got these kids on all these drugs there you, you've made them drug addicts they don't know how to exist without the drugs in their bodies they don't know how to go through a cold or chickenpox or mumps or measles or any of the stuff that we went through and come out a stronger, better person. Their immune systems don't know how to fight off anything. So allergies and asthma are, are way up there on the list. All these kids go to school with inhalers because they have allergies and asthma. Well, for heaven's sake, I know the air is worse and the water is worse, and our, our whole structure our whole society is worse than it was when I was young but we had a lot of things going on it was post World War II it was just Korean time and there were a lot of things getting dumped everywhere and, and Lake Erie died I lived up near Lake Erie and that died there were lots of things happening but our immune systems were stronger because we took omega-3 oils and we ate correctly. We didn't drink a lot of sodas and pop and, uh, and McDonald's and french fries and all that stuff. We, we, we um, drank water, okay? We made sure, our, or our parents did, that we were hydrated, but it was natural. You'd go run outside and play when you were six or seven or eight or nine years old. didn't matter. You'd play baseball or football or tag or whatever you were playing, and if the garden hose was out there, you turned on the water and you drank it out of the hose because you knew that you needed to drink water. And so you did. You didn't stop and get a Propel drink or a Gatorade or a Coke or a Pepsi or any of those kinds of things. You drank water. And so our immune systems were stronger. And there was no such thing as ADHD. There was no such thing as bipolar disorder, which I will explain to you if you care to ask. Um, they, they just didn't exist. And so... So knowing that there had to be a cause to ADHD when I moved down here, I looked into it deeply and found 99% of the time that it was starting with the parents and their habits, their eating habits, their drinking habits, which affected, of course, the colon, the liver, and the brain, which had been passed on to the children along with a lot of emotional crap. And that's all I can call it. And so I worked on the parents, and then I worked on the kids. And, and within nine months, we had 600 kids off Ritalin. Uh, I don't know many people in the country who could say that. Okay? I can, based on research and based on experience, name just about every disease there is and tell you what the cause is. And that's what you have to remember is forget the cures. Find the cause. Tell you what the cause is and help you do the work to get rid of the cause so that you don't have the symptoms so you don't need a cure. That's what this whole podcast is about. That's what my books are about. That's what my life has been about. And um, uh, the omega-3 oils, cod liver oil, if you can find it anymore. I mean, now they, they squeeze the oils out of the fish to use them for other things and sell them overseas. And, and you see uh, tuna fish that is always in water. You can't find it in oil because they squeezed all the oil out. Um, that's not a good thing. I know everybody wants white albacore tuna, right? Because that's the best kind. It's the only kind that's safe. <clears throat> well, I, I look every single time I do buy tuna. 
uh, I'm looking for the one that has the oil in it because I want the oils. I want the sardine oil. My father and I used to eat sardine sandwiches. If I thought about that now, I'd probably get sick. But as a kid, I would eat sardine sandwiches. That was wonderful for me. I'll tell you how wonderful it was. It's, it's, um, and this is not bragging, but as I don't know what my IQ is today, but when I had an IQ test given to me prior to and then after the Marines, sometime after the Marines, um, it was 167. That's pretty high. It's not the highest it can possibly be, but I also didn't like testing, so I, I would rebel a lot during testing. But um, it helps the brain, and it helps the master gland, the pituitary gland, to do the things it needs to do to help the other organs in your body build up your immune system and keep you at least somewhat balanced. So get to the omega-3 oil. Find the best ones you can. Give them to your kids. Learn to love them. They're good. Get away from the safflower oil, the corn oil, the canola oil, the all the soybean oil, um, these are not good oils for you. Get away from them. Go to olive oil, fish oil, and um, and make sure it's good olive oil, by the way. And stay with the basics. Think about your ancestors. They might have died young, but they mostly died young because of the stress of settling a country, fighting wars, and living in, in unhealthy conditions that women finally changed. Um, but they were strong. They were able to do things that most of us, if we even thought about it, could never do today. Okay, so that's ADHD. That's oils, um, strokes. Don't forget about the strokes. If you're taking care of yourself with the oils, probably a stroke will happen. But if you know somebody around somebody who does have a stroke, remember reflexology. And look for our classes everywhere because um, Lori's out there. She's, she is one of only nine instructors in the country, and she's out there. And usually I'm with her. But... Um, but anyway, check out the classes on the website at earthwalk-usa.com. Um, also check out, let's go ahead and click on that water link. Nobody's going to send you uh, junk mails or call you up or anything like that. But click on the water from air link because you'll be quite surprised. Um, water is the next oil. The water crisis in the United States is real. You're going to hear about it more and more. You hear about people stealing copper right now? I warned people several months ago that copper was going to be the commodity that people were after. Okay, there is there are things going on in our world that that are prophesied, yes, but we're also creating them. And copper is one of those things that now is a, is a is as hot as gold. Well, water is going to be even hotter. Water is going to be the next oil. There's no doubt about it. You'll see people stealing water. We already have states in the United States that steal water from each other. We have more than 19 states in the United States that have had such severe drought problems that their lakes have dried up. If you look at Lake Mead in Las Vegas, it's down 125 feet. Once that lake is gone and the Colorado River tries to take care of all those residents out there, um, you're going to hear people screaming for water. So, yes, the water maker can make water in the desert. Not as much. You might only get two or three gallons a day, but I'll tell you what, if I'm dying in Vegas or Laughlin or somewhere out in um, Death Valley and I need water, I don't mind two or three gallons a day. That's going to keep me alive. If you're down here where I am in the south, um, 
on the Gulf Coast where the humidity is 83, 86%, I'm going to get 8 to 9 gallons a day. And I can even take a bath. I can pour all those 8 gallons into a bathtub and cool off and, and get clean and everything if there's no water. So uh, click on that link and learn. And um, there's a lot of other links on there. You learn about Paxil. You can learn about allopathic medicine. Um, there's all kinds of stuff. Just jump around. Spend some time on the site. You learn a whole bunch and nobody's bothering you. Nobody's hassling you. Nobody's giving you a hard sell. Okay. Anyway, this is Raina G with the Holistic Health Hotline. Thank you for listening. It'll be about a good five or six days before I'm back. So go ahead and hit the podcast page or click on the picture on the podcast page so that you get the list of podcasts on the website. They're only giving you two now. But if you go to the um, Podomatic website, you've got 75 or 80 of them so, um, or more because I just re re-uploaded a few more from before that people needed. So get on there and spend some time, stick them in your ears or whatever, walk around, enjoy the sunshine, enjoy the earth, enjoy life. And uh, thank you. Spread the word. This is Raina G.